Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the Fan Side of Network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGinnis. We're in the middle of November. We're approaching Thanksgiving. It's the middle of the football season. The season is well over, but we got a long way to go. And as I talk, I think to myself, what are we going to talk about? But we do have things to talk about, believe it or not. So be sure to stick around. We'll try to entertain you as best as we can. And uh, yeah, just uh, just hang in there. We'll hopefully get some big news at some point. That's what we're craving for, right? Adam, how you doing? Fantastic. Good to hear. Uh, let me just say, uh, Mother Nature, I have some bones to pick with you. Because here in Chicago, uh, before it even reached Thanksgiving... It was, I think, uh, a low of seven degrees the other night. So I shake my fist angrily at you uh, as I had to clear snow and ice off my car to go to work when it was, I'd say, 10 or 11 degrees at seven o'clock in the morning the other day. Um, I don't know what it is by you, but certainly not baseball weather or even like nice football weather either. Just just bad. No, it's it's been really cold here in my neck of the woods, too. It's, yeah. It's that time of year, unfortunately. I hate it, but it's the way it is. So we're sitting here kind of waiting for something to happen. And we do have a few things to, to throw out Cubs-wise. Uh, I think we'll just start with the coaching staff right now. It's starting to come together. Uh, you know, you have Iaposi returning, the hitting coach. And then you have a lot of guys like Will Venable who are going to be sticking around. Uh, I think the pitching coach is going to be sticking around, too. Uh, but we do have some new guys as well. Uh, bench coach, uh, they just filled that position. And Andy Green, the former Padres manager, will be coming in to fill that role. You know, there's a lot of mixed feelings about it. But really, all that matters from a bench coach is, like, being an advisor to the manager and, you know, helping with, like, scouting mm-hmm. and defensive positioning. So if he's good at that, that's all we really care about. It's not like people go up to the bench coach with the recorders and the cameras and ask him his opinion. Well, and I, I think, you know, with Andy Green, too, I, I would find it hard to hold it against him, his overall record in San Diego, because I really just don't think he had enough to work with to field a really competitive ball club. Uh, and the guys around him seem to think that he's he's a really good strategist, makes good decisions. So I, I like the hire. I think it's a good hire. I don't think you can look at his record in San Diego and say, oh, well, he's he's not going to be a valuable part of this team now. I don't think that's the case at all. So I, I mean, I, I like last it. year was the only time they really had notable, talented guys during and, his tenure. And even then, it wasn't enough to compete for that division, I don't think. I mean, I I don't think it matters what manager you have in there. That roster, that San Diego roster, is probably not enough to get you to the postseason. But at times, he did have them playing some good ball. Well, sure. I mean, you think about a lot of their young talent. Like, Fernando Tatis Jr. looks like a stud. You have Manny Mm -hmm. Machado. But... You know, a lot the of these guys are not there too, though. I mean, you you, you had some some interesting, some really good young pitching arms, but I just think that the overall pitching aspect of the San Diego Padres was just not enough. No, I know, and that's why I think it would be really wise for them to take a look at some of those bigger free agents on the market this year. Oh, you've got to, yeah. 
So Andy Green's one, and then uh, they just hired Mike Napoli as I think a quality assurance guy. Um, you know, didn't know that existed until I heard about the hire. Well, I mean, there you go. He's basically just going to be, you know, part of this organization. So uh, he will not be taken at bats or anything like that. Uh, Mike Napoli, always one of my favorite players, too. And if you remember, he was the first out in the bottom of the 10th inning in Game 7 in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he was with the Indians that year. Uh, he was, uh, this makes sense, I guess, because he was a teammate of David Ross's. Uh, on the 2013 Boston Red Sox, so they obviously they've got that connection with each other. And like I said, this is a role that I've I'd never even heard of until they announced the hire today. So exactly how much he contributes, I have no idea. But people seem to like and respect Mike Napoli, so I'm on board. Yeah, why not? I, it, it's cool to have a lot of these familiar faces come to the Cubs. You know, we had, mm-hmm. remember, we had like Kevin Euclid in the system. We had Manny Ramirez at one point in the system. And, you know, now you're seeing other guys too. Yeah. I think it's kind of cool. I mean, whether or not they do a good job, it, it's kind of cool to see. And Mike Napoli was a guy I always really liked watching. I mean, the guy hit 267 home, home, yeah. home runs, uh, career 246 average, 346 OBP, career OPS of 821. Duke yeah, that's slug. that's pretty good. It's interesting that the the Cubs are following this this trend of of hiring really young coaches and managers. You got David Ross in his early forties, Andy Green in his early forties, uh, Mike Napoli. I don't think he's even forty years old yet. I think he's still in his thirties. He is. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's in his late thirties. Yeah. It is. It is an interesting trend, and we've seen it kind of take shape recently. I mean, I remember when I was a kid, man, more like a, a preteen slash teen, when Lou Pinella, old Lou Pinella was the manager and Larry Rothschild was the pitching coach. Heck, even the days with Dusty Baker, yeah, Dusty Baker had been around for a very long time when he was with the Cubs and a number yeah. of the coaches were there a long time too. So, you know, kind of a big shift since, you know, I was a kid. Are you surprised that Dusty Baker's name isn't coming up a little bit more for for some teams in their their search for managers? I I, I kind of I thought he would be in consideration for the Giants, and I'm kind of surprised that they went with Gabe Kapler. I was surprised they went with Gabe Kapler too. Um, now Joe Espada was in the running for that, but I can't yeah. help but wonder if certain stories that have come out have affected that yeah yeah that's i wondered about that too if if teams just don't want to be yeah in connection with that it's going to be fun to see uh what if any punishment the mlb doles out for that because i i could see them getting some pretty significant punishments for that I don't think they would like vacate their 2017 World Series or anything. How can you do that? That like, would be I mean, too how controversial. Can, but, how can you take away a championship? Well, just, I mean, it, they they do it. They do stuff like that in the NCAA all the time. I mean, USC's had a bunch of wins vacated. It happens. I don't think they would do something that drastic. I think it would, if they do anything at all, it would maybe be more along the lines of like taking away some draft picks or something. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, there was a report I saw on Twitter earlier and saying that the Houston Astros, due to Cameragate or whatever they're calling it these days, I, I don't know, uh, whatever they're calling it, uh, that some sources have said the punishments could be pretty severe. But even with pretty severe, I don't see them vacating the championship. Uh, would they have to vacate a certain number of draft picks, like you said? I could see it. Would they maybe yeah. lose international bonus pool? Sure. Yeah, that's yeah. See, that's the other thing is something financial, maybe some sort of uh, tax threshold, like a, a different one for them. I don't know, but see, the thing is, sign stealing has been going on forever. I mean, teams when when they catch the other team sign stealing, it becomes a really big deal, and everybody gets really mad. But the reality is is going back all the way to the beginning of baseball, teams have been stealing signs. It's just something that happens. But this is like on a whole nother level. Yeah. yeah. This is this is see this is where you you sort of are towing the line between just doing something, you know, that's frowned upon that every team does and just kind of being scandalous. I mean so this it's a weird gray area for me because you know, like I said, on the one hand, everybody's doing it, but on the other hand, like this has taken it to an extreme that just really makes you shake your head, I think. And I would be surprised if the league didn't do anything about it. Well, yeah, I mean, put it in this perspective. Stealing signs as a base runner, you can't control that. What you can control is rules setting up electronics to yeah. steal signs. Yeah, it's completely different. That's that's spying. That's yeah, that's literally that's, spying. Yeah, this is MLB's Spygate almost. Right, exactly. I mean, th this, yeah, like you, you said, is that. on a whole other level. You can't have that. I mean, like if 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 a base runner is stealing signs, you know, that's just nuanced parts of the games that yeah, maybe it's frowned upon, but it's just a human element. This is just cheating. Right. I mean, yeah, this is just straight up cheating. Right. I mean, a base runner is it's a direct signal from someone observing on the base paths. Right. You are sitting at the you are sitting there watching it as a player on the field. But when yeah. you are setting up electronics, something yeah. that is not approved by the league, not approved by any of the broadcasting, when they're secretly set up with the intent of people not knowing about it, except those who set it up. That is completely different because you are you are going against certain codes. Yes, people don't like when there are stealing signs on the base paths, but I mean, there's no rule against a batter kind of giving a signal or, or a runner, I should say, giving a signal. But I mean, MLB clearly has rules against setting up electronics to steal this kind of thing. Yeah. It's, it's directly illegal. Yeah, there there is no question about it. It's if you have outside sources feeding information to players, that's that's just cheating. That's just, yeah. that's a scandal. That's cheating. You know what's crazy too is all this footage coming out, and you listen yeah. closely, and you hear the oh, banging, and people get sad. Why did you not notice it until now? Well, you don't think to notice that. It's yeah. It's not something. Yeah. It's not something that you would ever think about i mean it's you think about all the sounds that are happening in, in the world series everything mm -hmm. going on it's it, yeah and unless you knew to look for it there's no way you would catch that if you've but, been to a ball game at wrigley field and i'm sure you have even if you live far away am i correct uh you are incorrect actually you've never been to wrigley i have been to wrigley but not for a ball game okay well uh put this in perspective uh, this is kind of a weird example, but I'm just going to give it to you. 
hot dog vendors have those big metal, like, you know, carrier mm-hmm. things, right? I'll say when that they, I've been to ball games. Maybe not at Wrigley, but I've been to, I've been to ball games. Right, so. right. So you probably know where I'm going with this. Sure. They have those, and sometimes they'll yell, hot dogs, and they'll, they'll bang it. They'll bang it. So that sound, if you're watching on TV and you slightly hear it, you're not thinking, oh, wait a minute. Is that a member of the Astros banging their bat on this, you know, on the dugout? No, you're probably thinking, oh, maybe it's a hot dog vendor. Maybe it's uh, somebody dropped something or somebody shuffling around the bats. You don't you don't think that that is what that is. Yeah. Until someone points it out. You probably don't even notice it to begin with. No, not at all. I'm sure not. I saw a really kind of disturbing video on Twitter of a postgame interview with Alex Bregman. Uh, I, I don't know which game it was after, but they were asking him uh, about some pitch that he'd homered off of if he was looking for it, and he just had this this response like, "Maybe I was looking for that pitch." Like, whoa! Ooh. Like, come on, come on now! Now this is just getting stupid. Well, did you see the the video? It was an O2 pitch. I can't remember who was batting. It may have been Bregman. It may have been Altuve. I I don't remember. But um, it was an 0-2 pitch. Yes, it was a hanging changeup right in the middle of the plate. But typically when you're 0-2, you're in defense mode, right? Typically. Should be, yeah. Typically. But you had the bang-bang and saw the changeup coming and waited back and put a full long swing on it, not a quick defensive swing. Uh, so, you know, you could break down little things like that, too. Yeah, I mean, it's. Would you be ticked off if you were the Dodgers? Yeah, I I would. Sure. I mean, I don't see how you can you can vacate the World Series wins. I think that that would just be way too controversial for the MLB to even consider. But I would I would be pretty mad right now if I was the Dodgers. I'd be really mad. But it it also it sounds like other teams are wrapped up into this too. Like maybe the Red Sox have been doing something similar to this. So it, it'll be weird to see if this kind of if we fall down the rabbit hole and just find out that every team is just cheating their butts off. Kind of like steroids. Yeah. Well, one thing's for sure. We're going to get stricter rules going forward about this kind of thing. They're going to they're going to really start kind of paying more attention to this kind of thing. The league offices. I can only imagine what the league office is going through right now. They're probably scrambling to do something because they're going to have to. Man, the Astros too. Like, they get to the World. They're in this this competitive window. They're in their second World Series in three years. And as soon as they got to this World Series here this season, they just been mired in controversy. You know, yeah. not just not just this cheating stuff, but other stuff too. And man, that w- that would really be a bummer to be a fan of that organization. You you have this great season. You're in the World Series, but you're just clouded by controversy after controversy. I know. I know that really would be that really would stink Uh, to bring the Cubs kind of into this whole conversation. You were mentioning the Dodgers and people brought up you Darvish and they brought up the 2017 World Series. Now, did you see what you Darvish said about that in response to someone bringing that to him on Twitter? I did not. He just said, no, I just sucked in game seven. Like he just flat out owned it. Now, Remember, Game 7 was in Dodger Stadium. It was not at Minute Maid Park. But 
you know, people have been talking about the way he was absolutely crushed in the first game he pitched, which was in Houston, you know, how much did that affect him? You know, what, what did that do? And what's funny is when you go back and look at that dominant start that Darvish had at Dodger stadium this past year with the Cubs, ever since that start, he's been lights out. It's like a switch flip. So there, there might, there might've been something kind of clouding over Darvish kind of like a, a mountain to climb, a, you know, something to overcome. And yeah. it kind of felt like that was that overcoming moment. And it seemed that way when it happened, when it happened. But now that the story has come up, maybe we realize it was more of a kind of getting over moment for him than we thought. So what do you, what do you do if you're the league? What do you do about this? It's because, complicated. Because if, it, I mean... If you don't do something significant as far as punishments go, then how do you how do you discourage teams from doing this again? Because if it's just if this ends up being a slap on the wrist, then I don't think that's really enough to motivate teams to stop doing shady stuff like that. Right. So you can take away a certain amount of draft picks, but if you're a com- you're in a competitive window, here's right. the thing. See, see, that's 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 where I was was thinking with this is it, that really wouldn't be a huge blow to no. the Astros right now. That's because no. that's they're 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 still in this competitive window. Taking away draft picks isn't gonna isn't gonna change the fact that they could still compete for championships in the next few years. And the the other thing that we have to keep in mind too is unlike the NFL. Draft picks are not trade worthy. You can't trade draft picks. So the value is even lower if you take them away from a baseball team as opposed to a football team. Mm -hmm. So you got to do something more. I mean, I I don't know if you, is there a way you can cap them? Same like, all right, well, you won't be able to allow to spend this much money this off season. I see. I don't know. I don't know that the league can do that. Probably not. I don't because believe that. Because it would that, probably go against, you know, a bunch yeah, of rules. There, and, there is no league cap max. There, so I, I don't think. The union would have a fit. Yeah, I don't think the league has the authority to tell teams how much they can spend. Probably not. You're maybe probably you could, right. Maybe you could penalize them for spending a certain amount. To like a, a certain, luxury tax? Like an additional yeah, some, luxury tax? Yeah, something like that maybe. But as far as, you know, saying you have this much money to spend on free agents, I don't think they can do that. I don't think they can either. I mean, I'm so, just thinking out loud here. Yeah, so so you're we're in this predicament where how creative does the league get to actually send a message that you can't do this stuff anymore? And here's the thing about vacating a championship. The, the truth of the matter is, even though it's been done in, like, college before— you can't change the past. Going, no, it, it no. offers no retribution whatsoever. I mean, what are you going to do? Go to every Astros fan and take away their championship gear, their shirts, their jerseys, their their hats, their posters, their DVDs. You really changing the past does nothing. It I mean, really doesn't do anything. In a way, this is this is already in a way sort of punishment in itself. It's not nearly enough, but. At this point now, I don't think anybody's going to think of the 2017 Astros the same way ever again. No. There, there's always going to be this asterisk next to their names. Right, exactly. I mean, 
it may not be to the extent of the Black Sox, but it's going to be remembered in a certain it's, way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so part of that's part of that's there because I mean, uh, one of the most fun things about winning a championship in any sport for one of your teams is as a fan just having bragging rights. Mm-hmm. And for for Astros fans, that's that's out the window. I mean, there's, there's there's absolutely no way you can talk about that World Series now without people being like, yeah, well, yeah, but you cheated, so. So, right. so that's that's out the window. That's done. Right, exactly. I mean, I'm trying to think what else you can do. I don't think you can really force a team to trade certain players because then yeah. who would you trade them to? Well, I don't think that really I mean, work. There's the other the other avenue that the NCAA has taken before too, which I also think might be a little too severe and controversial, which is you could just you say, okay, the Astros can't go to the postseason for the next two years. Oh, so a postseason ban. Yeah, so whoever, you know, if Astros win the division, whoever gets second in the division actually ends up winning the division. But I think that opens up a whole other can of worms and, and creates some problems too. And so I don't know that you could do that either. When you think about it straight on, like just straight Astros can't go to the postseason, it seems like a cut and dry, legit punishment. But where the problem comes in is like, okay, then that means you can be opening the door for other teams that maybe either don't deserve it or, I I mean, it, to me, the whole thing would be about the other teams around them, not necessarily That's just the Astros. Exactly, exactly, yeah. And and I think you would, you'd have the problem of the Astros not putting in any effort at all, which obviously gives the teams they're playing a huge advantage. Uh, you would allow them to tank. Right, right. I mean, the other part of that, though, that would be an actual punishment for the Astros, too, though, is that you're not going to get any free agents that want to sign with your team if, if you can't go to the postseason. Right. And, and I mean, that's going to hurt them financially, which is going to hurt the league financially. And I'm sure the oh, league would, would not want to do that. It would be a massive financial blow. I mean, how many fans do you think are going to be lining up to buy tickets to watch a team that can't go anywhere? Not a lot. I mean, do you remember what Astros games looked like when they were losing 100 games year in, year out? Yeah, it, it was like pretty. you could you could fill more people in a high school football stadium. than Right. That. Right. Yeah. See, like I, I, I don't I don't think that's realistic that I don't see the MLB doing anything crazy like that. It, it would just create too many problems. But they, they they've got to do something. They've got to do something. Yeah. So. It'll be interesting to see how that progresses. Um, you know, people are going to be keeping their eye on that story for a while. Um, you know, when something comes your way, sometimes you wish you could get a warning. You know yeah. what I mean? This has spawned a, a lot of funny trash can memes. It has. It really has. And I've really These appreciated that. Yeah. One of my I, favorites was uh, Bart Simpson banging, I am so great, on uh, <laughs> the pan. That was great. Yeah, it's there's been a lot of great videos. God bless the internet. You could take uh you could take Walter beating up uh what he thought was Larry's car and the big Lebowski just banging on it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfect. Here you go, Larry. You see what happens, Larry? This Bang. is what happens when you steal signs. <laughs> oh, that's my favorite scene in the movie. Oh, it's it's amazing, yeah. Is this your homework? <laughs> All right, this is pointless. This is when you find a stranger in the Alps, as they say on Sunday. Uh, yeah, you just can't watch that movie on regular cable TV. It just does. It's not the same. 
No, you need to get your uh, two-disc DVD like I do. Yeah, That's the way to watch it. you got to watch it unrated. It, funny story, I tried to buy that movie when I was like 16. I tried to buy it at Walmart, and they wouldn't. They wouldn't let me because it was rated R. They checked oh, my IQ funny. and everything. It was one of the worst days of the year for me. I was so pumped. I dr- I even dr- I had to drive like 15 miles to the nearest Walmart to get that movie, and they wouldn't let me have it. Yeah, well, freaking Walmart, man. Yeah, good old, yeah, good old Walmart. And then a year later, I went back to buy it when I was of age. And I paid with a $50 bill, and the cashier gave me change for a 10 And it created this whole other big scene. And oh, boy. I'm going off on a on a, on an irrelevant tangent here, but uh, we can get back to baseball here if you want. No, no. So I, I, I could, I I could talk about Big Lebowski for hours to tell or you. Or just truth. about your Walmart misfortunes. Yeah. Hate that place with a fiery passion. Gotta love Walmart. Gotta love it. And they hate you. Oh, I know. Don't I know it? (sighs) Well, you know, speaking of Walmart and spending money, it uh, looks more and more as we go along, um, we're not going to get anything of note via free agency. I mean, that's just what it feels like right now. Uh, We have articles coming. I mean, I know it's early. I know it's early. And I've been preaching that it's early. I'm just, I'm in that mood where I don't want to close the door on anything, but I'm also not going to get my hopes up either. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, at this point, I just really don't have very high expectations for free agency additions. No. It's, it's unfortunate to admit, but I, that's the way it is. Um, the bullpen is the biggest area of concern, and if they don't really make some serious efforts... To address that, then I think things are going to be, you know, pretty up and down again this year. I think it's going to be another kind of roller coaster ride, or it won't, and the and the team will just be mediocre or less than mediocre all the way through. Yeah, and that's certainly not what we'd want. Uh, I heard some reports, uh, in some interviews with Theo Epstein, saying how Tyler Chatwood could very well slip into the rotation. I think that's an area where I'm saying it's too early. Uh, He's just, he's not going to reveal his cards. He never has. He never will. No smart GM would. Um, I know some people have been talking about that. I still think they're going to get another notable starter, whether it's a trade, whether it's a sign, you know, whatever. They're going to make some changes to that rotation Mm -hmm. because you can't keep going with the rotation as it is. It's getting older. Uh, some of the guys aren't performing as consistently as you wanted, like a guy like Jose Quintana. Though, I wanted to talk about him for a quick second. In my opinion, I think he is very intriguing trade bait, despite the inconsistencies. If you look at the numbers beyond the peripherals, if you look at the contact, the BABIP against, the fielding independent pitching... It looks a lot better than the ERA that really ballooned in the last, I don't know, five weeks of the season-ish around there. Um, because if you look at the Babbitt against, it's really high. There was a lot of Babbitt misfortune against him. I'm not excusing him by any means, but I just I think he's got more value than we see. And I, I could see him being dealt. 
I could too. I mean, I, I could see teams being concerned that, you know, those peripherals haven't actually translated into a lot of success, but there is still some value there with Jose Quintana. He's, he, he doesn't get hurt. Uh, he's going to, he's going to give you a lot of innings. Uh, there's still obviously the potential for him to be uh, a high contributor. I could see him being dealt too. I think that, you know, there's a lot of things the Cubs need and they don't seem to want to spend the money to get those things. So it, it would make sense if they have to trade some, some major league pieces. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Q go either. Another guy that was brought up to much more controversy was Wilson Contreras in a trade. And, you know, this, when we hear about when, when we hear about guys like that, this is what I'm going to say. And this is what I said in my last Cubbies crib article. These are the kinds of rumors you're going to hear this winter. Now, Theo Epstein said he's not going to say anything about that stuff, but this is what you're going to hear from the media and the beat writers and all that. You're going to hear about Chris Bryant. You're going to hear about Wilson Contreras. You're going to hear about Kyle Schwarber. You're probably going to hear a lot about Quintana because I think that's a pretty realistic trade piece. But, I mean, you know, look past guys like Quintana, Hayward, Hap, whatever. Contreras, Bryant, you're going to hear a lot about those guys too. Whether yeah. or not it's rumors, speculation, whatever, just be prepared to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, and look, I'm not really the kind of guy that that believes that anyone should be totally off the table. I think that GMs should be willing to listen to anything. Now, whether you're actually serious about dealing certain guys or not is a different thing, but I always think you should be willing to listen always be willing to listen. But mm-hmm. with Wilson Contreras, Wilson Contreras offers an advantage that not a lot of teams in the league have, which is a catcher who can hit really well too. You know, it's the trade-off with catchers most of the time is that they're good defensively and they call a good game, but they're not very effective at the plate. Contreras is really good at the plate, and I think people tend to to over estimate uh his pitch framing woes i think i don't think he's as much of a defensive liability as some people think obviously and he's he's fantastic on throwdowns but people make it seem sound like his framing is just a total detriment to his overall value i don't think it's as severe as people make it sound i think wilson Contreras is 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 one of the better two-way catchers in the league and so Obviously, there would be a lot of value in that, and maybe you could get some an, an intriguing package for it. But I also think that's that's probably an advantage worth holding on to at the moment. Yeah, and a lot of people talk about Victor Caratini's steps, and Victor Caratini made some really big steps last year. Mm-hmm. But I think he's very solidified in the role he's at, where he's more than just a backup, but not quite a starter. He's really improved his hitting. I think he's a very solid catcher too. Just I, he is. I, I see him work with the the pitchers. I think he's very good at it. Yeah, he's more than serviceable, and his ability to fill in at first base from time to time too is, is valuable in itself as sure. well. Sure. I said there are two guys, two guys that are probably going to be one hundred percent untouchable on this whole position player roster, and I said that's going to be Baez and Rizzo. I'm going to tell you right now, Anthony Rizzo is not going anywhere. There's zero no, chance. No, that much is obvious, yeah, or at least it should be. Because, I mean, you you are 
taking a guy who has been the most consistent Cub year in, year out, the guy who is seen as the leader in the face of the franchise, the only way they trade him is if they were saying, all right, we're rebuilding. Time to tear it down and start yeah. over. Yeah, they're not But that's not what him. they're doing. Not no. happening, no. So, yeah. Other than that, I think, uh, yeah, you're going to see a lot of fun rumors. You know, it's as much as I'd like Chris Bryant to stay a Cub forever, I I still, from time to time, get the feeling that he holds a little bit of a grudge against the organization for how they handled bringing him up as a rookie. And it, it, it just, it feels, it feels like the Cubs are on the outside looking in when it comes to re-signing him when, when he's a free agent. And if they really, truly believe that he's going to bounce when he becomes a free agent, then maybe it would be in their best interest to get a haul for him. Yeah. I mean, that's... But the that's a big gamble, though. That's a big gamble. It's a huge gamble. Yeah. It's a huge gamble. But, you know, you also got to gamble on, is he coming back or not? I... Well, I mean, that's 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 the gamble. I think is the team aggressive enough in trying to to extend him. I don't know. I mean, I don't know either. We've seen we've seen the the mega deals that players that superstars are getting in free agency, and so it would make sense for me uh, for Chris Bryant to want to to wait until he's actually a free agent uh, and see what kind of offers he's getting. I don't see him extending. I don't see him being willing to extend before he becomes a free agent. No, I don't see it either. And I think it's a combination of him and his agent. I don't think it's all just him. I think his agent is obviously a lot of of his influence, which, you know, that's what agents do, especially ones like Scott Boris, big time guys. Uh, So, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you there. I don't I don't see him signing a huge extension at least not right now. I mean, this, this winter, you look at it, like it could go in so many different directions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's going to be crazy. I think, I I think this has the potential to be one of the more exciting winners of the year, not for free agency, but for trades. Yeah, sure. This is going to sound weird and I'm just going to say it. I don't want the Cubs to rebuild right now. I don't. I want to keep this window open. Oh, no, absolutely not. I'm just saying. I don't, I don't think they should be rebuilding right no, now. No, they shouldn't. They should. There's I'm, no, I'm not there's, saying they should. There would be no excuse for that. Given the, the talent they've got on their roster right now, it would make no sense to me. It would make zero sense. But the way they're handling this right now, too, also doesn't make a lot of sense to me because if they do want to stay competitive, then they've got to either open up the checkbook or start getting aggressive and creative right. in how they fill in the holes on their team. They, they can't just, as we've seen last year, they can't just stand pat. Right. And what the point I was going to make is I don't want them to rebuild. They shouldn't rebuild. It would just be a hell of a lot easier if, this was the team they were trying to rebuild with. You'd have a lot to sell off, kind of like the White Sox, except they were better than the White Sox, but the White Sox still had a lot of talent. Um, It would be a lot easier to rebuild right now than to keep a window open. But what you need to do right now is keep a window open and it's not impossible to keep the window open. I'm just saying it's a lot harder to do that right now with where they're at. Whereas if they decided to rebuild, you would be able to sell off a bunch of stuff for halls and restock right away and think of the future. They're just in a very difficult position is what I'm trying to say. 
I mean, I, I could see how that temptation would maybe set in for them. Like, look at all these guys that we could get tons of value in a trade for. But, you know, you can't do we've that. Been, it's been it's been a hundred plus years of 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 nothing but mediocrity. I they think we're we're we're, keep well, this window we're open. owed an extended to. window here. Yeah, they, they, I think Absolutely. they have to do everything in their power to gun for it in these next couple years. You know, I I envy other teams. I mean, I'm glad the Cubs have had all this success in recent years, but I look at a bunch of other teams in baseball, either upcoming or kind of in the middle of the window, where they have the flexibility and the assets and the willingness to make a lot of moves. Mm -hmm. Honestly. I think the Reds are going to make a lot of moves. I think obviously the White Sox are going to make some moves. I think the Padres think are going to so make too. some moves. Uh, look at this may sound weird, but look out for the Reds, man. Yeah, see, with a team like the Reds, you've got to have a really smart organization, really smart executives, managers, because you're going to have to develop a lot of talent. You're going to have to draft really smart because it just seems like in this day and age. The big superstar free agents are very showtime, and it it seems they mostly it seems like gravitate towards big market places. They want to go of to course. California, they want to go to New York, want to go to Chicago. It's going to be hard to lure huge names to Cincinnati, Ohio. So it, for the Reds to pull it off, it's it's even more impressive. They've got to be really smart about it. I I really admire what they're doing. I like that they've that they've actually made moves to try to win ball games rather than just stockpile prospects and hope that they're good 10 years from now. I respect it. Sure. I Absolutely. wish more teams, I wish more teams would follow. Yeah. It's just, no, it's I know just what you mean not, exactly. it's not as fun when you know that half the league is trying to tank their season. It's not fun at all. And I wish the league would do more to discourage teams from tanking. Yeah, I, you look at uh, you look at baseball maybe twenty years ago, not even maybe fifteen years ago. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. Yeah, this this whole you know you rebuilding and, and stockpiling bad. prospects thing is is fairly new. It's it's fairly recent. It's not like an an age old thing that's going on here. You saw it on rare occasions in the old days, like one of the first famous tanks was decades ago when uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins tanked for Mario Lemieux, uh, which obviously paid off for them. They had one of the best hockey players ever in multiple Stanley Cups, but it wasn't like it was happening all around the sport and all around sports in general. Yeah, it wasn't a common or well-accepted strategy. No, they got a lot of flack for that. They were shamed. As teams probably should. I mean, well, as much you know as the movie it, Major League, think of the movie Major yeah. League. They were tanking, essentially. Yeah, and I, I just think fans deserve more than that. Paying customers deserve more than that. And look, I know it's a strategy that has worked, but I, I still think that just from an entertainment standpoint, it's in the best interest of everyone to try to field the best team they can every year. You know, it's... One of those things where I think we've seen sports evolve to that way, but you know what? I think as time goes on and rules may change, we may see it evolve further than that. Not in a bad way. I'm just saying maybe maybe when you and I are like 40, 50 years old, we'll be looking back at when we were 
college students and young adults and saying, wow, remember when teams used to tank everywhere? Yeah, yeah, it's it things change. The the culture around sports changes pretty rapidly. And I look I, how I, different just ten years ago was. Yeah, it, it changes at a really fast pace. I so yeah, I, I highly doubt things are similar, you know, twenty, thirty years from now. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I got a question for you as we go into this off season, and this is just based on some things I saw on Twitter, and I don't know if it's going to really happen or not, but there was something I saw, and I can't remember who said this. Um, I'm going to try to look it up now, but basically it was saying how the Cubs still might value guys like Albert Alamora Jr. and not just flat-out non-tender him. Um, let, me, let me tell you something. If the Cubs decide to tender contracts to the likes of like an Elmora or Russell just because they want to cry poor, I they've basically learned nothing. They, basically, all their words mean nothing. If they want to do, you know, talent over potential or whatever they said, but th- those are the kind of moves they're still doing, then what's the point of all the talk? I mean, what do you, what do you think of that? My question is to you: What do you think of that? I I have mixed feelings on it because I I think that you know it's really black and white from a fan's perspective. It may it may be not so much you know from the GM's perspective, and I I could see I could see both sides to it a little bit, I guess, but. At the end of the day, I, I just don't understand really what value Addison Russell brings. If you're going to hold on, you can't keep him in the same role that they had him in last year. It just makes no sense. If that's, if that's your plan for Addison Russell, then you may as well just let him go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Albert Almora, I don't know. I think Albert Almora can be better than he was last year. I don't necessarily think that he's just going to be dead weight like he was last year for the rest of his career. I think we've seen him play much better than that. Uh, and and maybe, you know, he serves a role as a depth piece in the years to come. I don't know. I But if either one or both of those guys was gone before the season starts, I don't think it would bother anyone, including me. Right. And I mean, with Albert Amora, a guy who I do like, you know, he seems like a really genuine dude. If they gave him a contract and said, all right, we're going to try to work on developing him as part of depth on this organization. I could live with that. But if the whole thing was, we're going to make big changes and Albert Amora Jr. is our starting center fielder on opening day, then I think we have a problem. You think that's gonna? You think Albert Almora is gonna be an opening day starter? I I mean I don't think so. Right I don't now, see it. But if that, I don't even know if he's gonna be back. I I really don't. It was just I some either. talk I heard. I it, de- I definitely don't see it going that direction. Him being opening day center fielder, unless there's just you know tons of injuries or something in the off season. Right. But as things stand right now, I would I would highly doubt that that would be in their plans. I do too. And again, I just, I really like the guy. Again, genuine, works hard. um, But if you're going to preach making big changes, you got to make some big changes. And we're very early in the offseason. We can't draw any conclusions yet. Um, 
my this is a pretty irrational fear of mine um and i don't know how many people agree with it or have the same fear and tell me if you think i'm completely nuts it's not as much bring the idea of bringing back Alvaro Mora Jr. Because, you know, again, I, I've, I've already stated that I do like the guy. And we've seen flashes of him being useful and, and good. I mean, mm-hmm. last year was bad, but we've seen some good flashes from the kid. But uh, why do I have this fear that they're going to end up bringing Russell back? I mean, we've seen him stick with him this long. So at this point, I don't think it should shock anyone if they bring him back. I personally don't think that's a good idea, but I'm, I think it's not a terrible be, idea. I'm not going to be surprised by it either if that's what ends up being the case. I just, how how can you continue? How can you even continue? And I'm going on a rant on something that may very well not happen. But what would your thought process be? To me, it would just be them saying, well, he's cheap. We can afford him. We're not well, going to go out and try to upgrade, spend money. And the the role he fills, it just doesn't it doesn't seem like a fit to me either. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Being a doo doo brain, I mean, we don't need to fill that role. I mean, if if he's not going to hit, which we've we've pretty much accepted that he's not going to become the hitter we thought he could be, then he needs to be a superb fielder. Uh, we saw his his fielding took a noticeable downturn. Mm-hmm. He was an he was an absolute liability on the base paths. To the point where it was it was actually just mind blowing. I mean, it's you're going to make some mistakes on the base pass from time to time. It's it's inevitable. But with Russell, it just came down to just not paying attention. Yeah, yeah. I was at one of the games. It was one of the few games I think before he was sent down was against the Padres, and there was a wild pitch. He didn't even tag up. The next pitch was a line drive off Elmore, ironically, right at left field. But if he had tagged up, it would, you know, he hit it hard. It would have yeah. been a sack fly. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's bad judgment calls from time to time. And but it then was way too frequent. And then there's and then there's just plain having no awareness of what's going on. And that yeah. was that was what was going on with Russell. And you at that level on a team that's expected to be competitive, you just can't have it. No. And again, I may be worrying about something that's not going to happen. I mean, right now, I think money is it's not going to happen. But, you know, I just I we won't know until we actually find out. Yeah. Uh, it feels then, to me like they're going to hang on to him. I, I I feel like they've they've just been kind of biding their time and waiting uh, for this. The fan reaction to sort of blow over a little bit. And and my feeling is that they just don't expect much of an outcry if he's on the roster on opening day. That's oh. that's what I think. Oh, they, I think they'd be in for a rude awakening. Yeah, if that. that's their if that's their thinking though, then they've obviously never been on Twitter.com. No, no. But no, as I've no, no. as I've said before, though, I think that Twitter tends to be a vocal minority. I think you know. At, at certain times, it can be a mistake to make your decisions based on the Twitter reaction because Twitter is not the largest majority of your consumer base. No, but I think in this case, the the outcry would be a sizable chunk of the fan base. Well, it, it's really not that divisive at all either, because even you know the the big chunk of the fan base that's not on Twitter, they're not going to be disappointed to see him go either. No, of course not. I mean, you heard him get booed. Yeah, at Wrigley Field. 
Yeah, you so uh, let, letting Russell go really would, would not be a, a divisive thing for the fans at all, I don't think. No, and I mean, you also got to remember, too, you look at that position because, look, Baez is the shortstop. We all know that. Right. We're looking at second base. We're, the main question is, is Nico Horner ready to step in there full time? And I think the, the answer, my personal answer is he's going to be in there soon, but you need a veteran in that spot as well. Not only as a safety cushion, but to have for Nico Horner. Um, and I believe me, I do not want Russell to be that veteran. There are other guys I'm not sure I'd go in a direction, but there are veterans out there that you could probably bring in yeah. for a reasonable price. I mean, really, the only veteran I think that's going to go for a more steeper price is Howie Kendrick, but I don't see them going that direction. Yeah, I don't think Howie Kendrick will be insanely expensive. He's not a very good defender, so there is, you know, not there is a little bit of a trade-off. Yeah, but more expensive than other options. He'll be in demand for sure, but yeah. I, you know, he's not going to get superstar numbers in free agency. Not at his age. No, not at no. his age. But, I mean, if the Cubs really are that tight about spending money, then these things do matter. You know, yeah. price differences oh, do matter. So, yeah. I mean, you could go in another direction there. Um, you know, I would, if they decided, okay, to help Nico Horner out, we're going to bring in a second baseman more known for the glove, I'd be okay with that. Yeah, would make a lot of sense to me. You know, you you play Nico Horner at the beginning of games, you get him some at bats, and then you you bring in a, a late game substitution for some defense. You know, team. That would make sense to me. Something cheap. Yeah, and there'll be guys out there. Uh, yeah, I remember last year. You know who I really wanted was uh, Iglesias. I really wanted. I wanted Iglesias. him too, and he had a good year. He did, didn't he? Hit like twenty some home runs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, I know yeah. everybody did, but. <laughs> Still. Well, yeah, that's the thing. You know, hitting 20 home runs anymore isn't really that special. But, I mean, to that point, though, the guy is a very solid glove. I'm looking at the numbers now. 288, 318, 407. And he only hit 11, but hey, for a guy that was on a minor league deal, I'd take that's, that. That's, that's some good value, yeah. It's I would, too. Madison Russell. Miles. I was a former all-star, too. People forget that. Detroit, 2015. He was an all-star. He was. You're right. I, I would love a guy like him. And he's he's not even... Well, he will be 30 by the time it comes around, but he's right now 29 years old. He's he's not old. No, that's that's, you know, like right in the middle of your prime. And I know looking at his his play, his positioning... Um, you know, he's really a shortstop third base guy. So we're not really looking at a second baseman right here, but I still think you're going to need infield depth um, at any position. So I still think he'd be worth an investment, even if he's really not much of a second baseman at all. I would agree. I think so too. Because I mean, there, there may be times where you want to have certain matchups and you say, okay, you know, Baez has played a lot of second in his career. If you wanted to have some starts with Iglesias at short and Baez at second, you could do that. Basically, what it would do is give you a cheap option to open up some doors, and you would have a pretty solid baseball player on your hands. And, you know, maybe 
you you play him at sec you kind of work him out at second base a little more. He's played very few games at second base in his career, but maybe you know if you try to work on it with him and he could play a bit more second base, you can really condition yourself a nice depth piece right there and not break the bank. Well, and I think they they really they have to. They yeah. have they have to make a move like that. Yeah. And I'm and maybe not just specifically Jose Iglesias, but like you said, a move like that. Yeah, it's that's that is one of the big issues on the team is depth in that area, and so it's I don't see how they could not aggressively pursue something like that, and it, it shouldn't be too hard to acquire. Okay, so question: Shoot. What happens to Daniel Descalso? <sighs> Probably stuck with him, I would think. Yeah, he's got one more year left on his deal. Um, unless you, you know, just unless you just let him go and just eat the money. I don't I mean, see I know anybody. Not a maybe lot. maybe you find maybe you find a, a, a seller dweller team that, that knows they're not gonna compete for anything and maybe you trade him to that team for peanuts just so they can have somebody to to eat up innings and play in their games until the season's over. That's the only trade scenario I can see for him. Maybe he'll shock us all and he'll be, he'll be decent this year. You know, I, I, I can see them giving him a chance to prove himself that he can be better than he was last year, because let's be honest, it would be hard to be worse. I do feel like Descalso was really, really affected by that ankle injury. Probably. It because can't if, be a coincidence. No. It, that. Yeah. If you look at the year before, 138 games, 238, 553, 436, an OPS of 789, 13 home runs. He was a very productive depth piece. That's why they got him. Yeah. I, mean, I, I still think there's a chance for him to be that guy for the Cubs. I don't, I don't think that they've probably given up on him yet. No. So... Yeah, I agree. With the time being, he's probably going to be there. Now, if you find other options and you say, all right, this, this, and this will work out. I mean, yeah, you could trade him for peanuts, but it's it's like he really doesn't have any value right now. No, no. I, I think that if he ends up being bad, then, you know, the unfortunate reality is you're probably just stuck with him. Yeah, and you know what's funny is I have to remind myself that Daniel Descalso was a thing. I know how easily we forget, how quickly we forget. Even after that great start he had. Yeah, I mean, that's all the jokes about, oh, we don't need Bryce Harper. We've got Daniel Descalso. Yeah, that didn't last very long. Yeah, and it was funny until he actually was terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, brother. Yeah. You know, I'm looking through the Cubs 2019 page right now on baseball reference. And remember Xavier Cedeno? Mm hmm. Remember when he was a thing? That really ended up being a thing, yeah. No, and I thought that was a a great pickup. I thought it was a great pickup going into that season, but he pitched two full innings. So much, yeah. But what fantastic two innings they were. Yeah. He pitched as many innings as Victor Caratini. Oh, man. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. see it. 
Oh, remember, Carlos Gonzalez was a member of the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was another thing that didn't really end up being a thing either. No. I was really happy Had when promise. they took a flyer on him, but yeah. yeah. It was pretty obvious that the tank was empty. Yeah. I mean, it, it, was fun. it wasn't risky at all. It was no, the, it wasn't. They, really had, they had nothing to lose. It was worth a shot. Jim Aducci was a thing. Oh, jeez. For two games. Five plate appearances. His slash, not, his slash line across the board is uh, a blue Tarski. So, there you go. And then my personal wow. favorite, Martin Maldonado. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have minded hanging on to him for a little longer, but that was a Four pretty games. short relationship, too. Yeah, the legend, Four legendary games. cub, Martin Maldonado. Yep, yep. Taylor Davis played more games than him. Taylor Davis had a grand slam, didn't he? This he year? did against the Cardinals. Yeah, that was awesome. All, his grand total of home runs and RBI came on that one swing. <laughs> That's great. What a legend. What a legend. That's going to be the guy we're going to be, like, in five years, we're going to be talking about him. Yeah. He's going to be like, uh, do you remember Donnie Murphy from 2013? No. Okay, so Donnie Murphy, a.k.a. Donnie Baseball, was this guy nobody heard of. He came to the Cubs in late 2013, you know, when they were rebuilding and they were, you know, completely irrelevant, bad, whatever. And, uh, as a Cub, 46 games, he had 255, 319, 530 with 11 homers in, like, 163 plate appearances, just randomly. That's... Donnie Baseball. You remember the most obscure things. I. That's what I'm here for, man. That's what I'm here that's for. That's your MO, I guess, yeah. Yep, that's what I like doing. And he was a career... 212 hitter and he just kind of floated between a bunch of organizations from 2004 to 2014 but he hit his career high 11 home runs in 46 games as a cub in 2013 donnie baseball a legend a legend well i think we've pretty much peaked right there talking about donnie murphy so i think that's where we're gonna leave off on this episode of climbing the ivy a really good show tonight a lot of good discussion for you know not really having a lot of news to talk about but hey i thought it was a good show look at us we're so good at this okay paul rudd (laughs) i'm glad you got that yep i got it right away got it right away Nice. Well, everyone, thanks again for listening. I want to remind you that you can check out this podcast on iTunes.com. You can check out Cubby's Crib at Cubby's Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.